Welcome to our Sunday morning segment of the Grace Chapel podcast. If you would like more information about Grace Chapel, visit their website, gracechapel.org.au. There you can find more materials in growing your identity in Christ. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity today to get up and talk. Some things have been shared, some haven't. But uh, sometimes people need to know what's going on with other people. Okay, my message is called Touching Hearts, Changing Lives. It's interesting, you know, I was saved over 36 years ago in, um, in Bilston Street. We were there and then we moved over here, which is really good. Been part of the church for 30 odd years. Been married, happily married to my wife, Gail for 30, 32 years, and we had two beautiful kids. Two beautiful kids are growing up. One has grandkids and the other's, well, she's working on it. <laughs> That's the way to go. So what I want to do, what it was, the Lord first started talking to me when I was driving the car, and I'd drive from Melbourne down the coast to home, to Wontaggy, and I'd be driving, and I never noticed this sign at all. And then one day I'm driving along and this sign moved right across and there was actually two lanes that I actually went across that lane on the side of my car and thought, what's going on here? Lord spoke and said, you're going to be going that way. You're going to be going down that way. And I just laughed. I said, you gotta, don't be silly, don't, this is stupid. How can I be going that way? I live here. Well, lo and behold, every time I went past, that sign just come right out in front of me. I thought, what's going on? And I thought, no, nah, the Lord's playing games. So what happened... We ended up buying a property and we moved to the hills. So that sign, which was called Lee and Gatha, now I have to take. It's three years later. Another time, we always go to Lakes Entrance for a holiday. Gail and I, if we haven't taken the kids, we've been going there for about like 10 years. Like. About 10 years. Same thing, we're driving along, we go out of Rosedale. Sometimes we pop in and see uh, Diane at the shop and say good day and have a chat. And then this Mafra sign did exactly the same thing. And I thought, what's going on? And the Lord's talking to me. You're going to be going there. I go, don't be stupid. I don't know anything about her. Well, lo and behold, where does, my daughter's, where does my daughter's husband, where does my daughter's boyfriend come from? Mafra. So I, got, so I thought, hey, there must be something in here. So I've learned a lesson that if a sign jumps at me like that again, I'm going to make sure that I listen because I know something's going to happen. What? I don't know. Now, this next one I want to share with you is this is a very silly situation where it's boards on stupidity or dumb, I don't know. But I want to actually give you a demonstration of it. At the end of it, you judge yourselves whether I was stupid or whether I was being an idiot. I need two people for this. Uh, two people, who will I get? No, it's okay, Phil, you're right. I won't get you on. All right, Jared, you're one of them. Come on, <laughs> Up you come, come on. Fred, you can come too. Up we go. Right, you two guys stand here, facing off at each other here, as if you're going to have a punch on, okay? Like, just, just, just stand there like that. Now, I have an imaginary doorway. This was at a youth rally. I was a youth pastor, a youth leader many years ago, and it's the first thing that happened at a youth rally. Now, there's an imaginary door with all the bells and whistles on. I'll just go through it. Hang on. Couldn't see the door. And I'm well, there, and the band was playing. I was by myself. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, look to your left. And I looked to my life, oh, my giddy heart. I thought, there's going to be blue. And this soft voice said, go. 
So I went out. Yeah, bang. And I walked out and I just looked. And I thought, oh, well, I don't know what we're going to do, but I thought, oh, probably go. So I walked up to them. I put my hands like this and said, there will be no fighting here tonight. Okay? Okay? Cool. Got it? <laughs> Got it? Now, you apologise to this man for being nasty to him, and you'll get along fine, okay? So I apologise. Shake his hand. Shake his hand. Right. <laughs> they stood there and spoke, hugged each other, and walked away. So, wait, 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 so I walked back, indoors not there anymore so I could walk through. And I walked back, I walked back and I still listened to the band. And I looked across and thought, I should have got my head kicked in. I should have, I should have been wiped on the floor. These guys were twice the size of me, they could toss me anywhere. And I'm just sitting there and I'm looking out there, there's no one there. Not a soul outside, not even anyone having a cigarette, there's no one out there. And I just looked across and thought, what's, what's going on? He just, he just, uh, Nothing for a while, he goes, I'll always be with you. I'll always be with you. Interesting. As, as time goes by, you're, well, how, many, how many people like to lead their mum to the Lord? Hey, how many people? Hands up. All right. Well, I had an interesting time. My mother had vascular dementia, which means the, um, the, the vessels go like that and they tighten up eventually and they die. We got it. It's a long story, but I'll, I'll cut it short. We took her to Sea Haven, which was only about 15 minutes away, 10 minutes away from where we lived in Dudley. And um, mum had, we'd gone and seen mum, gran and granny with the kids and she was always saying that she was seeing different things. And I, I said, this time I said, I've got to go and see mum, I've got to go by myself. <coughs> Gail said, well, I said, I don't know, it's got to go. So speedily enough, I jumped in the car, I nearly get there and oh my giddy arm, I forgot my Bible. Forgot my Bible. Uh, Lord, we're going to have to wing it. So we go in there and I sit down, she's sitting at the table I'm having the act to her. I said, I need to talk to you privately. So I went to a little private spot and it was sort of like a locked area where you could, could come in and go around. There was a corner around there where we could sit and have a cup of coffee and tea. Mum used to call it the cafe. So we went to the cafe talking. And I said, well, listen, I said, uh, I want to talk to you about something. She goes, what's that? And I thought, the funniest thing come out of me. It was, uh, do, you, do you want to bet on a horse race? And I said, bet on a horse race? I want to talk about betting on a horse race. And she says, oh, that's interesting. I said, hey, there's a long shot. Jesus, 100 to 1. Win by 10 lengths. Sure thing. Can I put $100 on it and you put 100 we make some money out of it? Ah, I've got your attention now, Mum. So I said, look, look how it's changed my life. I've got married. I've got a lovely wife, two beautiful goods. Look how the Lord has used me in situations. I said, there's been situations that you've had when you've rung me. I said, I've always been there for you. I said, before I couldn't, but now I am. You know them. He said, you know, you know you're here because you're closest to us. So that's where I want you. And uh, she ummed and ah, and she said, well, there must be something about this, Jesus, because you've changed your life. I said, Mum, I said, if I ask the Lord for one thing, and one thing only, is that you're in heaven when I get there, I'll be great. That'll be grateful. And she stopped and she ummed and ah, and she asked a whole heap of questions. Some of the questions she answered, I can't even remember. I don't even know how to answer them because I just opened my mouth and the Lord gave me the words for them. And then she looked at me and said, the end of time, it's your choice. You go to heaven or you go to hell. With what I shared with you, you make that decision for Jesus. You're in the kingdom of God. I'm going to see you there. But if you don't, I won't and I'll never see you again. And she pondered upon that and asked a whole heap of questions. And 
And like I said before, I couldn't, couldn't answer them because I can't remember what it was. And then it was exactly seven years when she, when she died. And what happened was the night, the night before on the Thursday morning, I got up at uh, nine o'clock in the morning and I was there. The phone rang. You may better come, your mum's on her way out. So I had to work that day, so Gail took her car and I drove my car. So we're up in the hills, so about half an hour, 20, about three quarters an hour away. So we, we drove down and saw mum, she was gasping for air. And Gail spent some time with her, I spent some time. I said, now, you are not going to die yet. I'm going to work. I've got, we've got unfinished business. And uh, she couldn't talk, but she was gasping for air. But she nodded and she said, yes, I'm going to work. You're going to be okay. See you in a couple of hours. So I went back, I went back to, um, to see her, and we spent, we spent some time together. And uh, I said my goodbye, so I didn't get home till 9.30 on the Friday night. I got home and couldn't sleep, just, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew it was time. What time I didn't know, I said, if the phone doesn't ring by one o'clock, there's something wrong. Right on one o'clock, I was just about nearly asleep and the phone rang and I couldn't get to it on time because it was right downstairs from our bedroom. Now we've got a phone upstairs so it makes it easier. And um, I said, oh, she's on her way out. So, okay, so I grabbed my keys, jump in the forby, get down there. Oh, you've missed her by 10 minutes. I said, no, that's okay. And I spoke to a lady who was a friend of mine and she said, look, she said, you had the most kindest words to say about my son, he said, you touched his toe and you knew he was dead. And the only thing that was keeping him alive was the machine. He said, you knew that. And he said, but on that, we turned his life system off. I said, uh, did I? I said, I don't remember that. She said, she said no, I'm returning the favour. Your mum went peacefully and she's happy. So then I went straight from there, ran to Chris's place, Neverland's place, knocked on the door at three o'clock in the morning, half past three in the morning. First thing is, what's wrong, Jono? I said, my mum's just died. Evelyn, make a cup of tea. Just come and had a cup of tea. Went back home again. My daughter, youngest daughter, Jackie, had to have braces. But do some work to her braces. So I'd already been to Wontaggy once. I went back home again, which is another three quarters of an hour. Picked her up, drove her all the way back into Wontaggy. Got her braces sorted out. We came back and we stopped at Lulu's, the coffee shop where Jackie worked. And um, had a cup of coffee with a couple of lads. And they said, oh, you don't feel it. I said, I feel like crap, mate. I haven't slept since... 10 o'clock Thursday morning. What's happened? I said, oh, mum just died. And they, the, the guys, they were just fantastic. They just rallied around me. Some of them Christian people, some of them not, but they were just great support and comfort. So we got home and uh, we had to um, clear mum's room out because if you didn't clean out, you were charged extra from the time of whatever it was. So we got the wagon, we went down and cleaned, and cleaned it all up and put it in. And uh, in between that, I, when I got home from, we got home with Jackie, the, the undertaker had rung and said, oh, we need to, I need to see you. I said, yeah, I'll see you this afternoon at one o'clock. So we got back there, emptied all the, emptied all the thing. Mum had a nice TV, the old box TV with a, with a video DVD video player. Really nice thing, cost her a fair bit of money back in those days. And there was a guy who was opposite. And I always used to pop in and say good day, but he never had a TV or a DVD player. I said, mate, I said, I want to give you something. I said, see that trolley with the TV and DVD player? That is now yours. You can have it. I went to the nurse's station and said, listen, I am giving this man this for mum, for mum, take it, because I can't fit in the car. We got back and uh, I dropped Gail off at her mum and dad's place because they were still alive then. I went to see um, Harold Milkins, the funeral director. Harold's not here with us anymore. He passed away. 
And uh, he said, we have to do something. We have to get her in before Christmas because it was around about the 19th of December. He said, we have to get her in before Christmas because she's going to stink otherwise. I said, okay. He said, well, what about the 21st of December? And uh, this is sort of like a couple, you know, like on the, on the Wednesday after. It happened on the, Sunday, on the Saturday, so the Tuesday, Wednesday was the 20th. So we, so we had the funeral. So, had, so that was arranged. I went back to Chris and Evelyn's place and said, look, what about this date? Yep, no worries, lined it up. We got back in, the, I drove back, that was all sorted. We went back to uh, Gail's mum and dad's place. Again, Gail had to drive home, I was exhausted, I just could not drive. And on the way home I said, oh, look, I said, please, I said, I never do this. I never stop at Maccas because I don't like it. I said, well, can we stop at Maccas? And my wife scratched said, darling, you don't like Maccas. I said, I haven't had anything to eat all day, I'm starving, I've got to have something. So I went to Macca's and got a couple of burgers and scoffed them down. We got to the front gate at quarter to five and I said to her, I said, if anyone rings, you're going to have to take the call. I just cannot physically stay awake any longer. I'm seeing double. I said, I don't even know how I walked down the driveway from where a car was. I made the phone call to my auntie, told her the arrangements of what happened for the funeral. She said, yeah, no, I said, I'm going to bed. But before I went to bed, I said, Lord, give me a sign. Give me a sign that mum's with you. Give me a sign that mum's with you. Five o'clock I went to bed, and I tell you what, it's the best night's sleep I ever had. I say, I'm gone from Thursday all the way right through to the Saturday afternoon without any sleep. Don't let anyone tell you you can't arrange a funeral in 12 hours, because we did. 12 hours to arrange a funeral. I suppose it's not what you know, it's who you know. (laughs) But anyway, with that, so it was interesting to find out that uh, I went to bed I went to bed and uh, woke up at five o'clock in the morning. Woke up at five. Beaming light, which is like this beaming light, like, like the spotlight here, beaming light in my window on, on my bedside lamp. And I thought, gee, what's that? And I thought, ah, oh, hang on, I know what's going on. So I jumped out of bed. Our veranda's about 12 foot wide by about 30, 40 foot long. So I went up along, I come out of the veranda and me jumped, walked up and had a look. This beam of light coming straight through, straight into our bedroom window, never happened before. I went inside and grabbed my wife and said, Oi, get up. Right, come have a look at this. We went on the balcony and said, Look at that beam of light. That's God showing me mum's in heaven with him. And, and shortly, about five seconds after saying that, a little cloud came from nowhere and covered it over. So I knew. So I knew that, she, that he was there with her. Okay. Uh, I think we might have a psalm, eh? Break it up for a tick. Have a psalm. Uh, not as Come on. Come on, where are you? I know you're here somewhere. Psalm 100 we can do. If you want to look it up, you can. If you don't want to, that's okay. I've got it in my Bible. I'm reading from the King James. Psalm 100. Oh, bugger. Put my glasses beyond. Here we go. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that had made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord God is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth all generations. It's really interesting because after reading that, the penny dropped 
I wondered why the Lord was talking to me. What had I done? What did I do? I'd done nothing. did absolutely nothing. And I had this crazy thought left to feel, and I hate it when you get those crazy thoughts and you run with it. I set myself a five-year challenge about oh, 10 years ago. Five-year challenge I set myself was to read the Bible cover to cover as many times as I could in one year. And whatever I, wrote, whatever I read in that one year, I would do for the next four years. The first, first year I read the cover-to-cover cover Bible four times. So in, 20, in five years, 20 times cover-to-cover cover the Bible. I can still only quote one scripture, but I know when people are talking, I know where they're at. It's interesting to see, interesting to see what happens. But anyway, so I've set that challenge and I accomplished it. Uh, now the next thing, there's a few stories that I'd like to share with you. Don't ask me what order because I can't remember. I only wrote them down and I'm going by, going by memory and I can't remember where, but I know where the place was. We had a, we're in Tasmania the first time we took the kids over to Tasmania. I had a great time. And uh, we met up, met some Christian friends who were staying at their place and um, we had the giddy aunt van and we were just sleeping in that. And we went to the Chancellor Sunday church service and they said, oh, just stay for a couple more days. So we're going to go to Bruny Island. So on the, on the Wednesday, we're going to Bruny Island. So Tuesday, my mate goes, oh, there's a prayer meeting on. And the people who know me, I'm not a, I've never, never been a prayer meeting person. You ask my wife, especially, there's a prayer meeting on and you want to go to a prayer meeting? What's wrong with you? I said, I don't know, I'm just, just excited, I want to go. And so we went and I sat down and everyone was praying and stuff like that. And it was quite interesting because this guy was sitting looking at me and I walked up to him and said, look, I said, I just want to ask you something. I said, um, are you, uh, what, what are you after? He goes, oh, I've been, I moved over here to get a job and I've been out of work for 18 months so I've never been able to find a job. I said, that's interesting. In 18 months you've never been able to find a job. You've been fellowshipping here and you can't find a job. So I said, right. I'm going to lay hands on you and pray for you. But I want you to tell the Lord exactly what you want. Where you want to work, your wages, everything. He did. And I stuck my hand on his head and said, Lord, as he's confessed this with his mouth so far, let it be. 9am tomorrow morning, not one minute before, not one minute after. Right on 9 o'clock you'll get that job that you're after. Amen. I walked away and had a cup of tea and thought, <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? I thought, I've really opened my mouth this time. I've really put my foot in it. And uh, I was pretty quiet on the way home. And he made sure I said, yeah, I'm okay. Got back home. And I think I told my wife. And she said, don't worry about it. It's from the Lord. You'll be right. So we woke up early that morning. We went to Bruny Island. So we jumped. I actually, I had the best night's sleep I'd ever had in a long time. And we woke up in the morning. I forgot about it. And we just took off to Bruny Island about 5, 6 in the morning and jumped on the ferry and went over and spent some time over at Bruny Island. Came back, came back to the place where we were staying and uh, the lady's husband come out of the house, come running out of the house as we pulled in the driveway. And um, she said, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. I said, what? What are you on about? She said, uh, you know the guy that you prayed for last night? Yeah. He said, well, he got that phone call at nine o'clock. He said, not only did he get what he wanted for his job, he got even more. He got more, out, more benefits than what he thought he could possibly get. I said, well, that's all you have to do. Her husband come home. I said, how's this? He goes... I knew he'd get a job anyway. I said, hey, listen, pal, we prayed for him last night, nine o'clock next morning, he's got a job. That's a miracle. And, and I thought it was incredible that the Lord could use me to do that. Okay, we've got another one. Uh, I'll just use, just use here for a minute. I was sitting on my veranda, and I've got, I was just sitting here, and I've got my one tree hill, and everyone's seen the one tree hill. People who come up to my place, if you want to see the one tree hill, I'll show you. I was sitting there, I just had a shower, feeling really good, relaxed, Nice sunny afternoon, just having, just having a quiet time. 
And the phone rings. It's a mate of mine. Uh, wife's in hospital with cancer. Oh, yeah. How long has she been in for? A couple of days. Uh-huh. Uh, just hang on a minute. I looked at me one tree hill. Said, Lord, what should I do? He said to me, if you're willing to go, I'm willing to heal. I said, that's good enough for me. So I got up. I walked inside. I said, wife, what are you doing? Nothing more. I said, come on, we're going for a drive. Where are we going? We're going to the Trowbridge. We'll pray for lady. He's got cancer. Okay, she said. So we jumped in the car. And we're driving along. And she says, she says to me, what are you going to say? I said, I don't know. The Lord will put words in my mouth to say. But um, I just went on. If you're willing to go, I'm willing to heal. I'll go. So I went. We got there. We, we got there. The atmosphere there wasn't really good. So we went out into the car park where it was a bit more quieter. And she had a gown on. And I lifted her. I said, look, just show me where your lump is. And it was just about here. Just right about here. Just right around about there. It was a lump about that big by about that round. So I stuck out about this far. I said to her, just, just hold your, your gown up. Don't show. Just hold your gown up. And so my wife and I laid hands on this lady. And we prayed. And the bump just went like that. The whole lot went all the way back in, right back to normal skin. We cursed it in Jesus' name, and it went. And she was healed. She came here one time to church and tried to ignore that. I know what I saw, and I know what God, I know what God did. She was healed from cancer. I know that for a fact. Her husband was wrapped. She could, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. This one here, this next one, is a, is a sad story. Um, it was another time, a second time we're over in Tasmania. We went down and met these people. We were down at Cockle Creek. I don't probably remember Cockle Creek down there. Um, we were down there and Gail and I were invited to go to these people's place, which was a, over the bridge. There was a hut there with no power. And uh, we were invited to go there for a cup of tea in the afternoon. So we, we went over and we're walking over. They're walking along the beach and the Lord spoke to me. He said, if, the lady, if this lady asks for prayer, okay. But if she doesn't ask, that's it. And I'm oh, okay, that's easy. I can do that. Well, we got in there and I took one step in the door and I looked to the left-hand side and I could smell cancer. I've never smelled cancer before, but I smelt it and it stunk. And I thought, oh, what are we going? We walked in. There was a lady sitting up there having a cup of tea on the, on the high part there. So we walked in and we sat down. I sat on a cold black tea with two sugars for three hours, just looking at this lady, begging her to ask for prayer. And she didn't. And we had to go. And I walked out, I walked out gutted. I walked out gutted. Didn't show my wife, didn't tell my wife. We came back and the kids were there. And uh, I said, I'm going for a walk down the beach. And as I walked out, I saw these guys fishing. And it was a good Friday. And uh, I said, mate, have you got room on your boat to come with me? I need to come, I need to go out in the water. I've just got to, just got to get away from here for a moment. I've just got to clear my head. He says, mate, we haven't got enough life jackets. I said, ah, oh, okay. So they took off and I said, Lord, bless them mightily with whatever they do out in the water. Bless them mightily. And I walked away and I just cried. That was it. I just, got, just sat down, just found a nice little beachy part. We had the bridge. Sat down here and I cried my heart out. <laughs> Didn't even know the lady. Didn't even know whether she was saved or not. But I knew she had asked for prayer on you, God will heal her. So I, I, I sat there for a while and had a bit of a mopey session for about 20 minutes and I got up and I went down to the surf and washed my face and drew, drew my tears away, went back home. Gail said, the fisherman's back, he gave you four cooter, he wants to see you. 
I said, oh, okay, fair enough. I said, what are we having for tea? I'll be having pork balls. So let's have something to eat before we go over. So we go over. The wife and Gail and the kids, Isla and Jackie, come over. And there was this guy who had a foul mouth, and I walked straight up to him to the second fire pit. And I said, you, shut your mouth all your can of beer, and you're going to go in the fire, and you're going to burn. Now, just behave yourself. There's lady present and kids. So he just shut up. And I walked back, and this fisherman guy said, I've been a fisherman for 35 years. Never, ever have I had experienced what I experienced at all. What did you say? I said, all I said was, Lord, bless them mightily out in the water with whatever they're doing. He said, mate, when we got out there, he said, we couldn't bait the hooks quick enough and pull the fish out. He said, we had 10 minutes of frenzy. But at the end of it, when they'd done their cray pots, they had four cooter left over. And the guy that said no to me on the boat said, there's a, there's a guy next to us who needs some fish. We'll give it to him. So we got four cooter. I explained to this guy about Jesus. He was, he was a Christian. He was backslidden. Uh, by that time, my wife and kids were tired, so they went to bed. I came back to the giddy aunt, which was our little box trailer, to pick up me, me Bible and go back and share with them. And it was really interesting sharing with this guy. You know, I, I think we turned him around and made him sure that you know, God's real. He offered me a job, a car. I said, mate, that's not what it's about. I'm not here. To, I'm here as a, as a visitor. I'm not here to live. And uh, he was just amazed. And we spent up all night. And the guy that, was, the guy that had a foul mouth, I walked up and said, mate, I'm sorry I spoke so harshly to you. I will not, I will not allow that sort of language here in front of my wife and kids. I said, if it's blokes, that's fine. I said, but if it's my missus and kids are there, you have language like that, I'll deal with you severely. I won't, I, you'll be, you, know, you, do, you don't want the wrath of that. So we talked and it was great. And then we went back to bed and uh, he, he couldn't believe what happened. That all of them were just, just so blown away by what happened. So that, so that was really, really interesting. Sometimes something bad happens, something really sad happens. And next thing it's turned around to that. Okay, this next one, we're up to, we've done uh, prayer, fishing. Yeah, this next one, we went to Warrnambool for a holiday with the kids. We had some friends with us and we just decided to go for a drive. And we couldn't find, we were looking for a CRC church, and we couldn't find it. And I said to my wife, hey, there's a, there's a church out in the highways, you come in. That looks like a good one, we'll go there. So, okay. So we go walk in the door, sorry we're, sorry, we're late, mate, you're just in time. Beautiful, polite man on the door. Walked in, sat down, and as we're walking in, the Lord spoke to me, said, see that lady that's three seats back on her own in the corner? I said, yeah. He said, I want you to count exactly seven seats. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven seats. You sit down, your wife sits down. Doesn't matter about the kids. And uh, we're singing away. This lady kept on looking at us and smiling. And my wife's looking at me. She says, uh, What's wrong? I said, she's going to make a decision for Jesus today, that lady. She said, oh, how do you know? I said, trust me, I know. And I knew, I knew by what the Lord had done. I didn't know the whole situation, but I'll share that with you in a minute. We did that all the way through the service. She was just looking and smiling. She was so happy. Then they put an altar call out and she ran up the front. I've never seen like a rat up a drain pot. I've never seen anyone run so fast. Got, ran, ran out, ran out the front. And we were just sitting there after the service I said to your wife, what do you want to do? Do you want to go and have chippies or something? We only just got out the end into the highway and then we were, we were shanghai by the pastors. And uh, he said, you know that lady that you sat with the, the seven seats? She said, yeah. She said, did you know, she said, if God's real, he said, that lady's waited 10 years, 10 years for a young family like you to come and give seven seats vacant, sit on the eighth seat. 
She said she made that decision for the Lord. He said, if God's real, that's what's got to happen. That's what happened to her. Ten years she waited, though. It took ten years for her to wait. But she got it. Yeah, yeah, and it had to be a man. It also had to be a man with long hair and glasses, yeah. <coughs> this next one, this next one was really close to my heart because I went with a really good friend. Chris and I went over to uh, PNG a few years ago. It was funny, we got there, we jumped on the... Karen gave us a lift down to the, um, the, uh, <coughs> to the airport. We got there and it would wait 10 hours for a flight. Well, we can only have so many, so many large Macca's cappuccino coffees in 10 hours. So we got there, we jumped on the plane, and we got over to Brisbane. And um, Brisbane, and my, this was, I just had a knot in my stomach. I thought, something's not right. I don't know, there's just something not right. I didn't say anything to Chris. I thought, didn't, something just didn't seem right. And went to jump on the plane to go to PNG, and we couldn't because we didn't have a part, we didn't have, have a visa. We didn't have a visa, so we didn't know that we had to have a visa before we went in. So Chris just said, don't worry about it. We'll sort it out. So they cancel the flight, reschedule it, and um, the lady goes, oh, it's going to be two or three weeks before you, you'll get a, a visa to get into the country. And Chris just turned and said, don't listen to him. I said, okay. So we jumped in, the, we put our, got a, a, a storage area and put it in the locker, put our locker, went to the consulate. There's a few people there. Chris, Chris and I stand there. Chris said, leave it to me. I said, okay. So I went up and spoke to this lady really well. Chris come back and said, we've got to go downstairs for coffee and wait for a phone call. So I went downstairs to have a coffee. Just as we finished our coffee, phone call rang, come upstairs, and there was a queue of a few people there. And uh, she just said, Chris, come over here and just put it in, in front of all these people. Just come over. You too. Here's your visas. Within one hour, this lady organised the visa. And from that point in time when that was organised, I no longer had a knot in my stomach. They're gone. So we got over there. And it was interesting. I'm not joking. You've had people. I played in the band. I've heard applause. I've been places where you've seen people. We went to this, this province we went to that Chris was doing the, the preaching at. It was incredible. We got there. It was me this side, the actual uh, town elder who was in the middle, and Chris that side. I'm not joking. For 300 yards, there was just screaming people jumping up and down wanting to touch your hand. I've never, ever felt that anywhere in Australia. But those people up there know how to give. They are lovely people. You know, I have a heart for PNG. I love the people. Will I go back there? God, won't, God hasn't spoken to me to go back. But Chris said to me, if you say you're going back, you've got to go. My standing answer to everyone I met was, if God calls me to come back, I'll come. If he doesn't, I'll see you in glory. So whichever way we go, it's going to be a win-win situation. So over there, and there's this old, there this old lady... I'll call, I'll, I'll, the old lady's called Mama. And there was one lady there, Mama. She's probably about, about that tall, 80 years old. She said, Will you pray for me? I said, Yeah, cool. I'll pray. Lay hands on. And I could hear a click. I heard click, 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 click all the way down. And I, was like, I didn't think anything of it. So I just went. And the next, the next day, we were finishing at lunchtime to have, a, have a, a barbecue. And this lady, Mama, just put her hand up. And I said, Yes, Mama. She said, I, She says, uh, she said, um, I have this bag for you. I sat up all night and made it for you. And I said, wow. She said, no, no, I want to thank you. I said, no, you thank the Lord. What happened? She said, all my bones went back into order. Um, it took me two hours to walk here. It only took me an hour to walk home last night. It only took me an hour to walk back here today. I said, well, praise God. And I thought that was incredible. I thought it was really, and it really touched me. The people over there are just so fantastic. Their, um, their generosity and everything is just 
unreal. This next story I'd like to say, um, I won't say his name because he's still in. Call him, just call him a big guy. This big guy, well, I was walking, going to do some bank, going to go to the bank on a pension day to get some money out. And I walked by this big guy, I'm not joking, he's probably, let me see, probably be about, yeah, on this chair, you probably had about that much to spare either side, that's how big this guy was. He was huge. I ignored him, went home, and I thought, oh, no. My wife said, what's wrong? I said, this big guy, I forgot to say good day to him. I was really kicking myself. But he was there the following fortnight. So I went down, I stopped, I said, G'day mate, how are you going? He goes, are you talking to me? I said, are you sitting on that seat? He goes, yeah, I said, well I'm talking to you, how are you going? He goes, do I know you? I said, mate, I don't know you from a bar of soap, but you look like someone who needs to be spoken to, how are you? So we got talking for 15, 20 minutes. I said, mate, I've got to go. Took off, the Audi was being in the process of being built in Lean Gath at that stage. And, and everywhere after that, I couldn't find him. I searched high and low for this big guy. I asked people around. No one had seen him. He'd just gone like fallen off the face of the earth. And I thought, well, I'm going to stop trying. Because as soon as you soon stop trying, you come across him. And I was just walking, just, just parked the car, ready to cross the road to go over into Rich, into IGA. He's, hey, you, you bop, 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 bop. Oh, I know that voice. That's a big guy. Walked over, said, G'day, mate. Ah, bah, bah, bah. The words come from here. So I walked up to him, said, uh, What's your problem? He goes, Because of you, I've lost 70 kilo. He said, You bothered to speak to me when I was at my lowest point because I really felt like committing suicide. But you, you, you bugger, thank you. Today we go fishing together, we have a cup of coffee together. I still see him not as much. But he's on the way. He's, going to, he's having an operation soon where he's going to get the skin removed. His skin removed off his, off his body because there's a lot of excess skin. Once that operation happens, he'll probably be about the size of, uh, size of Steve. So I'll be able to wear jeans again. So he was happy. And I, and I was just so thrilled that, the, that someone that's just speaking to someone. People, you just don't know who you are. You see someone in the street, just stop and say hello to them. Don't matter what they look like. Talk to them. Talk to them. We went to... The plaza, we used to go to the plaza right in Montague on a Wednesday. And uh, well, there was this guy there who was sitting down, had a pair of bongo drums, he was in between the doorway and the fish and chip shop, just sitting there playing. He was a troubled guy. The first time I ignored him, the second time I didn't, I went into the fish and chip shop. I bought a piece of fish and a potato cake. And the lady there who I knew, I said, I want a large potato cake because it's not for me. So I went outside and unwrapped it. And I grabbed a piece of paper and wrapped it up. My wife said, what are you doing? I said, I'm giving a potato cake to this guy because he needs it. So I walked up to him, walked up to him, sitting down. Said, there you go, mate, that's for you. And he looked up at me. He said, thank you so much. Within five minutes, he'd finished that. His mobile phone rang and he walked off. Never see him again. Never see him again. What do you do? But it was good. I, that's what I wanted to do, so I did it. You know, lo and behold, there's a lot of people that don't. I'm, I'm sharing what I do in my life. If, if you understand where I'm coming from, and you can get something from it, great. Okay, we're just going to change the story for a minute because I've done that one. In the Bible, there always seems to be some one-liners, or what I call one-liners. And um, one-liners. And I thought to myself, how the heck can I find a one-liner, the one-liner to justify what I'm about to say? I did. A lot of people would argue with me, but uh, I'll stand on that scripture and take it very proudly. 
So we're going to uh, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. Here we go. So if you go one, one verse above and one below, it doesn't make any sense. Verse 29. The glory of young men is in their strength, and the beauty of men is oh, the beauty of old men is in their grey head. Hey, blonde here, what's under there? Grey. No, nah, it's grey. Trust me, it's grey. It's grey. Okay, on the next one. For, for about seven or eight years, I had my drum kit over here playing. I played on this for 15 years. So for over 21 years, I've played the drums as a house drummer. I can't do it anymore. I just physically can't do it. I just can't keep up the beat. I have to stop. Sad. I know there's a drummer on the way. How long? I don't know. But I prayed to the Lord this morning and he comes soon. I'll, I'll continue, but that's just how it is. I've got, to go, I've got to stop. I have to have a break. But there's one good thing, though. Instead of me asking to be turned up, I'm going to the back to the mixing desk where I can play with all the volume. <laughs> Won't that be fun? <laughs> I can turn people up and turn people down. Wow, that's really good. That's fun. I thought you'd like that. So did you like that one about the hair? Yeah? Okay. I'm not... I'm, I'm, honestly... I'm not a very smart man. I'm a bit thick at dumb at times. Just ask my wife, she'll tell you. I know one thing though, that the Lord still loves me even if I do mess up most of the time. I know he loves me. And that's the thing that I stand on. He loves me. Talking to random people down the street. Well, my wife and I moved up to the hills and came into Lane Gathery shopping. We'd be walking and talking and I'd stop and say just day to all these random people. And uh, my wife would say, do you know them? No. Nah. And she get, she get really, my wife get really embarrassed about it. You know? She said, what's she embarrassed about? You, know, you look at people, you see people, people, with, people walking down with tattoos and short hair. G'day, mate, how you going? Well, those people I said to death there, they've become some of my friends that I see down the street. I, I sit, at a co- sit at a coffee shop and have a, have a coffee, sometimes by myself. And a guy in a wheelchair, a guy in a, a, a gopher will go past and he'll stop and talk to me because... I've approached him and said, how's your day? Oh, okay, how's yours? Sensational. What? Sensational. I said, well, did you get up this morning? Did you get dressed? Did you feed yourself? Yeah. Well, isn't that got to be worth a sensational day? And, and, that, and some people, when I'm there, some people stop, some people don't. But as Christians now, we need to stand up and be counted. We need to reach these people. We need to reach them. The only way we're going to reach them is to get out of our comfort zone. I know I don't do that all the time. But when I can and I get the opportunity, I do it because I know that that's what the Lord wants me to do. That's what, well, that's what I want me to do. So it's just amazing. Um, I was very blessed. I want to get part on, onto, a, onto a blessed part here, which is very important because they're both here. On, in my early 20s, I was taken in by Chris and Evelyn. I weighed six stone. That's another story. We'll talk about that one other day. I weighed six stone when I got there. Took a few years, but Chris and Evelyn took me in to their family. Karen, Karen, Joanne, Fred. It became my new family. I was treated like a son, like everyone else. If I said I was going to do something, I didn't do it. I was reminded of it, and I went and did it. It was just interesting to see. But one thing that was always great was that even my friends at the hotel, because back in those days, you used to go to the pub. That was just where everyone met. 
I'd, I'd go, I want to go to the pub on a Friday or Saturday night. Evelyn would always say to me, Jono, go and get your jeans and T-shirt. I'm going to iron them for you. I'm not going to argue. So I did that. And every time, I, from that time of me walking into that hotel, people looked and went, what's happened to him? Why is he dressed so neatly? I've got to ask him. So I said, it's because of people that I live with. She will, the lady will not let me go out unless I'm smick and dressed. And even the girls, even girls that would never talk to me prior would talk to me now because I was neatly dressed, even though it was jeans and a T-shirt. It was just incredible. I've got... When you look at people, it's interesting when you look, when people say, um, I've had two friends over the last 30 years that have been watching me and encouraging me. And um, it's interesting because today I suppose you call them mentors, but I call them more personal friends, just, just part of the whole big family. And uh, we bought this old house, called the, we named it the Scrungy House. And uh, everyone was saying, ah, you know, all you can do is demolish it. Well, I walked into the part where it was renovated, and I walked into the front, all the floorboards were off, and I sat in the, stood in the front room and said, Lord, what can we do here? He said, look at the foundations. All new foundations with a concrete slab where the extension had been put on. Okay, get on the phone, ring one person. What do you think? If anyone can do it, Jono, you can. I said, right, that's number one. That's one on my side. Ring up the next mentor. What do you think? You can do it. Okay, cool. We bought the property. We had, to, we, had to, we had to have a plan of attack. These two men know each other, but they mix in different circles. And, uh, they, but we all had a plan of attack, and we all fell into the line. There was the roof had to get done first, and then the hardy plank for the other half of the building. What actually happened when you walked into the extension, the actual beam hits your head. It had to get propped up. Wadey, who's not here anymore, Paul did that for me. Very, 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 very skilled tradesman, Paul Wade, back in his day. Paul lifted that up for me, so we were fine. And got that done. But all the way, even when I was feeling like... I just can't do this. These people call into the house and say, how are you going? They'd like to fire me. I get excited. I keep going. It took two years to build, two years to put together, two years, but we did it. And, and, and all, those peop- all those people that mocked me, where are they now? Half of them are dead. Half of them are dead and the other half, the other half are eating humble pie because they don't live on the roof. <laughs> now, this next one, yeah, they're here, good. You're not, down You're not getting away, don't you? So what happened here is that... I'll just change the subject. We talk about people feeding people and stuff. It's really interesting. But firstly, I want to thank Evelyn for 30 years of service in the kitchen. Incredible. Never, never once did she ever complain. Never once did she ever complain. She's taught Diane. Diane's now taken over from Evelyn and, and dies in good stead. She knows what she's doing. She's learned from, from Evelyn. My girl helps. Thanks, ladies, for the good work you do. Let's have a round of applause for them, eh? Well done, guys. Okay, so we're talking about buying a meal. Fred got up here, oh, I don't know, Fred probably can't remember. He said he was at his shop in sale. He saw this guy a couple of times and he just thought, oh, he's a bit down now, I'll go and buy him a meal. So I took him down the road and bought him a meal. And the guy was thankful. He took off and never saw him again. Fred, you don't know, mate. You might have been even entertaining an angel, mate. You just don't know. You just don't know. But I thought that was really good that someone would step out of their comfort zone and take time out to feed someone to do that. That's guts. That's, that's we're doing God's work. The next story is, uh, uh, is about a guy from Lake's Entrance. 
His name was Terry, a very good musician, very good guitar player. And um, always used to, in, in the time of going there, I got to know him quite well. And he'd always sit out the front and I could go for coffee at four o'clock in the morning. He'd be there at four o'clock and we'd have a coffee in the yak. And the last time I saw him, I was driving down the main street of lakes and the co- Salty's coffee shop was open where he always was. He's out front busking. And I went past the Lord said, go back. Okay, so I pulled up when he walked into the coffee shop. I said, whatever Terry's having for drink, just give it to him. Coffee, whatever he has, just, I'll pay for it. Just give it to him. And I walked out and I put some money in his case and I said to him, I said to Terry, I said, now you make sure, you, know, you, you know, look after yourself. The next time I went down, I heard he was in the hospital. Then we were down there just only in May. And I got sitting there. I met a guy called Roe. He's an artist. Oh, mate, fantastic bloke. Really good to speak to. I said, mate, he said, um, tell me, you were local? He said, yeah, my name's Roe. I said, well, Roe, can, can you please point me in the direction where Terry is? Because I'd like to see him. He said, oh, Terry died two weeks ago of liver cancer. And that just shot me down in flames. And then we got talking. I said, well, I go, oh, well, it looks like we've got another one lost. He goes, what do you mean? He said, no, he had a belief in Jesus. I said, what? He said he had a belief in Jesus. I said, good, awesome. And I found out that he, 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 he fellowships at a local church in Lakes Entrance Row, and Terry had been there quite a few times. He had made that decision. And I just said, right, I'm not sad anymore because I know he's with the Lord. I know he's with the Lord, and that was incredible. This one story, this story I'll, I'll share, and I'm only going to share this once. I'm never going to share it again. Paul Wade, who was a good man, and Paul, I've known, even by Paul's been passed, I can now tell his story. I told him as long as he was alive, I would not say anything about this story to him. Never repeat it because I didn't want to embarrass him. And um, he's not here now. He's been gone a few years. So I know I can say something. What happened was Paul was... Um, I used to get those... Remember those days where we had bread makers? You have your bread makers. You make a homemade bread at home. Every, every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, I'll put the bread on. 6 o'clock, I'll go to Paul's place and take him a loaf of bread. If he had friends, he called them into the lounge room and we stayed in the kitchen. I did that for about three months. And in the end, he came up to my place and knocked on my door and came in. He said, he didn't know Jesus. He said, mate, he said, he said, how did you know for that last three months ago? What do you mean, Paul? He said, the only thing I ever ate that day was your bread that you brought because I didn't have any food in the cupboard. And I said, mate, I didn't know because if I had known, I would have helped you. He said, no, no, it's okay. He said, I'm okay. He said, but you've got something, you have something that I need. I said, well, you need to know Jesus. So I led him to the Lord. We led Paul to the Lord. And a few months went by and Paul just went absolutely berserk. Paul had a bad history of violence, really bad history of violence. And he was in jail, in, in remand, in um, some, somewhere over the city. And his wife was there. Um, I won't say his name, but I'll say his wife was there. And uh, the Lord said, take her over. I'll have a word for Paul. Okay, Lord. So we get over there. I thought, how the heck am I going to separate me, mate? How am I going to separate Paul from Paul from his wife with this message that the Lord wants me to give him? I said, well, who'll make a way? So, so we were sitting there, running there ten minutes, and she decided she wanted to go to the toilet. Perfect opportunity. So I looked at Paul. I said, listen, I want to tell you something. You think you're looking at twenty years jail? I want to tell you this. I said, you make sure that your wife's there to pick you up from that from that from that from that. From that Court case, because you're going home. He goes, mate, I'm looking at 20 years. I said, shut up and listen. And I, I really raised my voice at him. And he went back and he goes, that's not from you, that's from the Lord. I said, that's right. I said, you make sure you have someone there because he's going to let you go. And all of a sudden, he just changed and he was happy. 
And, and, and what, what happened was that when he went back in, they gave him a hard time because someone overheard what I said about the Lord and they really persecuted him, but he didn't care. He knew what was going on. The court case came up three weeks later. Uh, it was funny. Everyone had been in court. He was there. He walked up. As soon as he walked up into the dock or whatever area, the computers went down. The computer, the whole computer system shut down. So the judge only had a rap sheet to go by. And he said, ma'am, he goes, I'm in a good mood today. I'm in a really great mood. Have you got someone here to take you home? And his wife jumped up immediately. Yeah, I'm here, I'll take him home. Well, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to give you two hours, two years community work, but you're free to go and you've got a five-year suspended sentence on your way. I was, well, I was with Eileen and Jackie playing table tennis at the time and uh, Gail was, my wife Gail was home and uh, she called in and said to say thank you. I'd forgotten all about it. But he was just so wrapped. And Paul and I got along really well. Unfortunately, he died of uh, rheumatoid arthritis very severely in the end. But I know one thing. He's gone to be with the Lord. And that's the major thing. I'm happy about that. He's gone there. My calling is to encourage people, ring people and text people at random to see how they're going. So if you get a random message whatever time, or you wonder why, hey, why is this person texting me? I'm interested in what you're doing to see what's going on and see how you're going. Why? Because that's what I like to do. You, people can call me whatever they like, but I was just get interested. I'm speaking out today to say, it's not hard. Allow the Lord to use you in situations of everyday life. Not all the time I've listened to his voice. Damn, I miss speaking to him. But usually he gives me a second opportunity. It, it, used to, we started up a coffee morning about 14 years ago with Lulu's, my, my, my youngest daughter Jackie used to work there. Started off with about two people, got up to about 14. And it was really good because we had you know, men from the area that were working, some weren't. We'd all get together on a Saturday and have a coffee and, and it's just meeting people in the town and getting to know people. And that went for 14 years and then it stopped. Uh, nowadays I have a, a cup of coffee at, uh, usually about, during summer, say 5 o'clock. Winter, about 6.37. At, um, I'm usually found at, usually found at uh, Thornton's Bakery having a cuppa. Sometimes, today I go one-on-one -on -one with people at cuppa. It's just more personal and you can talk about things, enjoy things and stuff. If I'm there by myself, it doesn't bother me because someone walks by and says hello and talks and you have a cuppa and a chat. <sighs> One time I had a friend ask me, though, well, I won't say names, people know, people, people, well, I know there's a couple here that will know their names straight away, but uh, these people have gone overseas now, but uh, they wanted to sell their house. And I told them the story, I told them the story about what happened when I prayed for people about their job. Oh, you can pray for a house to get sold for this amount of money, by the amount of time I said, wait, wait. And they stopped in their tracks. And they said, can you do that for me? I said, listen, Next time I come back, I'll give you an answer. So I went back the following day, because I had the answer. And I sat them down and said, look, said, what happened back there in Tasmania was what happened. I said, I can't, I, I said I'm only doing what the Lord tells me to do. I'm not going not to pray for something that's, that's, that's going to tickle your ears. I won't do that. I said, but your house will sell when you least expect it to sell, it'll sell. And every time I went around there, winning in some house, when you least expect it, it'll sell. They were boarding a plane to go to England. Guess what? Their house sold. When they least expected it. So my standard answer, if I don't hear from the Lord, is when you least expect it. There's another story here. Another story here which is about an old lady. Well, I'll remember this one. 
Cup weekend in Mafra. Went shopping and Eileen wanted to go shopping, so I went some shopping with the girl. And we got to check out, and there's, we wonder what, what's going on. This the only lady in front of us, and it's just so. I'm thinking, what is going on? I thought, oh look, I'll ask the chair. She's like, like check out. She look, what's going on? The like the old lady's ten dollars short for her groceries. I opened up my wallet. There's your ten. This lady looked at me. She said, oh, she said, thank you. I said, that's okay, darling. You deserve it. Just didn't didn't think about. It. Just opened up my wallet and gave it. I don't know what that lady's been through, but she was older than me, and I respected her. And I had $10 in my pocket, so I gave it. Wasn't bothered. We can't take it with us, people, can we? We might as well use it for God's glory. So what happened was, we, we came out, and we put our stuff in the car. I went back and I packed this, put, her, put her, her, her bags in the car for her. And she looked at me, she says, I don't know you from a bar of soap. She said, I don't know you either. But one thing, God bless you, darling. See you later, she said. Thank you so much. I put a smile on that lady's face. And what does it cost? At the end of time, we take nothing. We come with nothing. We go with nothing. There's one time where Eileen came home one time and she was really excited. She said, Dad, you never guess what? So yeah, someone was in a petrol station because they couldn't find 5 or $10. She said, I just opened up my wallet and gave the money over and paid for him. I said, how's that? I said, how did it make you feel? She said, Dad, it was just a moment. Just an absolute blessing. Absolute blessing. Okay. When you know who you are and whose you are. Not many churches will preach this. Chris has preached this for years. This is what I love about this church. I've been to different places. But the, the teaching here over the last 40 years, I've never, ever come across any church comes near it. I thank the Lord for Chris, and Chris especially, and Evelyn for the ministry. It's been fantastic. We have to take it on. We have to go further. Now, we can't just sit on our laurels. Today's end times. We just cannot sit on laurels. We cannot afford to. When you know who you are and whose you are. Who are we? We're the sons of the living God. Amen. Who do we belong to? We belong to Jesus. How many churches preach that? Tell me. I can't think of any. Not even any televangelists. I'll just have a drink for a moment. Please listen to me for a moment. Jesus died on the cross for all your sins. There's nothing he doesn't know about you. He knew you before you were even born. You might have been invited to come here today, and you're here by divine appointment, and you didn't know, but God did. God did. God will not be mocked. Whatever man sows, so shall he reap. If you say I'm sick, guess what? You will be. The power of the tongue. It can so easily build up but very quickly tear down. We have to be careful with what we say to people today. If you're in the street and you see someone down there, give them a hand. Take, take, so what if it costs you $10 to buy someone a meal? You know, think of others. There's other people out there because don't forget, at the end of time, when that last person makes that decision, that's the end. The Lord comes back. The only way the, only way the Lord comes back is when that last person saved and that trumpet blows, he comes back. What are we doing? So many Christian people today are sitting down because of this virus. And they're scared. I had a phone call a while ago. Are you scared of the virus? What, are the cows going to give it to me? You know, I'm not scared. If, when my time's up, it's it. Until then, I will keep going and doing what I'm doing. I, love, I enjoy talking today to share with you what happens. I just want to encourage you people. 
I just want to encourage you people. God is on his throne. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen. There's only one scripture I know. There's only one scripture I know, which is John 3.16. And this is a scripture that I always remember for the first time I ever made that decision from the Lord when Chris led me to the Lord over 32 years ago. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, you or I, believe in him, shall never perish but have eternal life. And that is the key. That's the only scripture out of, reading the, we've had a, out of five years of reading the Bible, cover to cover, 20 years, the only scripture I remember was John 3.16. Don't be like everyone else that looks in the mirror and walks away and forget about himself. Get something out of today and run with it. Think God's not real? Okay. Let's, let's just do this. God's not real. Eh? Okay, well, I'll go straight from the Bible. Most people, the scholars, will know where it's from. You, can, you can't see the wind, but you can see what the wind does. You can't see God, but you know he's there. Amen. You know, Satan's real, and he wants you to go to hell and torment forever. You won't be able to get a party with your mates having a party. They told you this. Basic instruction before leaving life. Basic instruction before leaving earth. Read it, because it's in there. It'll tell you what happens if you don't make the decision for the Lord, and it's on your own head. You've been told, and that's it. Touching hearts, changing lives. Amen. Please tune in next week for another uplifting and inspiring message from Grace Chapel. Bye for now.